good evening, everyone. This is Chatterbox Video Game Radio. My name's Alon. And my name's Ara. And I'm Tim. I'm assuming it's the evening, but really you could be listening to this at any time of day. Because right. it's a uh, it's podcast. And you're, you're assuming that uh, I've been up for an entire day. Well, that's always true in your case. At least when I come over to record, I think. Not necessarily. You don't get a lot of sleep these days, right? Or no, no are I you, do. I you're just hibernating like a bear. Them. I just don't get them at the uh, normal hours. Okay. Well, you still say good evening, even if you woke up in the evening. So It's true. Really, it's dependent on the time frame. Speak for yourself. Yeah. All right, so um, I have lots of stuff to talk about. I, I know you guys do, and we're probably going to spend most of the show talking about the Wii U. I suspect we may. But everybody's talking about the Wii U. Yeah, but we'll probably talk about more important things than they don't than they are. Oh, okay. No, but, but that's that's fine be important. too. I mean, you know, we give Wii U its due and try to not rhyme so much. Knowing knowing that that's coming down the pike, let's avoid that for a little bit, so we don't get caught. Yes. And uh, agreed. And we've got a letter. We got a letter got some stuff that you wanted to talk about as well. Yeah. Relating to some game, we, I don't think we've even mentioned on the show before. Yeah, Gran Turismo Five. Never. We'll never talk about that. <laughs> Weird. What is that game? I don't think I've heard of it. All right, so let, anyway, let's have it. Tell yeah. me what's so important about this two-year-old game. <laughs> it's like, it's not two years old yet, but it's getting there. Anyway, okay, I, I just wanted to relate one of the most incredible fake racing experiences I've had in my entire life. Really? Because I played F-Zero on the Wii U today. I that wish, was pretty amazing. I wish, and I'm sure it was. I mean, the Nintendo Land version of F-Zero. Gotcha. Not- not the real F-Zero. Okay, we'll get to that. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, I wish I had... Unfortunately, there's no facility to save a replay of a game that you play online on GT5. That's surprising, because you can take pictures and print them out. Yeah, and you can save you can replays in like every other mode of the game. But you can't do it in this one. Um, so instead of... You know, like putting up an awesome video. Could we could we re- relive it now through the magic of storytelling? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yes. So, um, so I'm going to channel the uh, storytelling gods to uh, assist me in retelling this in a way that uh, people who don't play racing games may understand and appreciate. I've got my money on failure, but let's try. I am always the optimist, and I I think I think even you'll like this. So anyway, okay, you guys, you guys have heard of the Nurburgring. Do you guys know this track? Yes, because you made me play it a couple times. It's really long and in Germany. Yeah, really long in Germany. And one of the features of this track is it's got like one side of it is like a straight, okay? And it's like a straight for like several miles. It's like the longest straight in a conventional circuit track in the world, okay? And... So this is going to come in in a little bit. Anyway, so I've been spending a lot of time doing a lot of racing online, right? And I've been getting a lot better. I'm actually, like, now, like, competently participating in races and even winning once or twice, which is really, really cool. Is this not the type of game where when you go online, you just get destroyed by everyone you play against? Well, it is, but I'm actually – it is that kind of game. But I've been playing enough now that – I feel like I'm like one of those people that destroys you. You're like one of those 13-year-olds in Halo. No. That kills me. No. Not not like a 13-year-old in Halo. Is there teabagging in Gran Turismo? No. Thank God there isn't. But could, could I didn't there even, be? Okay, look, guys. I didn't even know like 
that they did that in games until I saw like a stupid award show where they like acted it out on stage. Anyway, I digress. That's not important. Okay, so here's what's going on, right? So I'm in this race. Okay, I'm in – there's like five people, right? Now, this track, it takes you like eight minutes to get around this track, okay? And I'm in last place, right? But the thing is, is that like the pack is like pretty like well composed close to each other and they're not that far away from me. So I'm like actually only about a second behind the leader, but I'm in last place, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Like I'm going to bide my time, right? I'm not going to push it too hard. I'm just going to wait for them to make – because this is a long track. This is lots of places to make fuck-ups. So I'm going to wait until each one of them fucks up and then I'll pass them all. This is my strategy, okay? So anyway, I'm still going. I'm still going, right? So we get to about halfway through the track, right? And this is a one-lap race, of course, because this track is so freaking long. So I get about halfway through, right? And now, like, I'm actually, like, two seconds behind first place. Right, so I'm losing some ground, right? And the pack is starting to open up and kind of gain ahead of me, right? But two seconds, it's two seconds is pretty long, but it's not that bad. It's still recoverable, okay? So anyway, um, have you have I ever told you guys about like what happens when you exit out of a corner? Like why it's so important to get like a really good exit speed out? When you're leaving a corner? I don't think we've gone into that detail okay, okay. before. It's not that complicated. It's a really simple concept, right? Basically, one of the most important things they tell you when you're racing is you want to get a really good exit speed out of the corner. Because the faster you can exit the corner, like that speed is basically like compounded or multiplied as you go down the straight subsequent to the corner. Does that make sense? Right? So if you leave the corner at like 30 miles an hour... Right? Maybe you get at, to the end of the straight, you're going like 100 miles an hour. But if you leave the corner at like 40 miles an hour, right? Like that value now will be compounded and multiplied by the time you get to the end of the straight. Like that totally makes sense, right? Sure. Okay. So anyway, it's really, really important to get a good exit that's fast out of a corner so that you can enjoy. You, that means that you will be faster for not only the rest of the whole straight, but you get even more speed out of it, right? Because you're accelerating the whole time. So anyway, this straight on the Nurburgring, right? Past right after that last corner, since it's so long, right? It's like super duper critical to get a good exit out of there, right? So here's what happened, right? So I'm behind everybody. I'm in last place. They're more than several seconds ahead of me now, right? This is like basically the last minute of the race. Um, so I see the guy in fourth place. He kind of screws up the last turn. And for some reason, I just do it like exactly perfectly the way I want to, right? So now I'm going down this straight and I see two cars are ahead of me, okay? Now the Nürburgring is not very wide. It's a very narrow track. You could probably put like maybe four cars on the width of this portion of the track and it would be completely filled up, Okay. So with three cars, this is kind of dicey, okay? So it's bad enough that I'm approaching two cars, going up this hill, going around like 170 miles an hour. That's bad enough. But now I have to go around two cars, right? And, oh, one thing I neglected to tell you, this super long straight, like as you approach the end, it kind of like starts to curve gently a little bit, right? So all this means is that it's really, really hard to make a clean pass without something disastrous happening, okay? 
So anyway, I'm approaching these two cars and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I don't want to pass them at the same time, right? Because that's bad. I want to pass them one at a time. And as I approach them, I'm quickly learning that this is not going to happen. Basically, like my only chance to win the race, like I just have to go like full bore no matter what, right? You're not doing that. No, no, I am doing that because I have no choice. But you're, you're not doing it like all the time anyway? Uh, no, no. That's, that's – we'll get into that later. But no, you can't do that all the time anyway because then you'll take too many risks and then you'll – right? Because if, you, if, you, if you're too risky and you go full bore all the time, then you'll crash. And then – you know, because you have to find that balance, that balance of risk – and benefit, right? I think that's, that's the key a, part about racing games that I haven't figured out. It is. That you should not always have your foot on the gas. Yes, that is. That's a very important part. So anyway, so, so okay, so I'm going up to these two guys and I'm like, holy shit, what's going to happen? Because I need these two guys now to behave themselves, right? Which doesn't happen a lot online, which we have another story about later on, right? But anyway, so some somehow magically, right? The guy who's in front of me goes to the left. The guy who's in front of him goes to the right. And I just, like, sail right between them, right? And we're going over the crest of this hill at 170 miles an hour. And this is the end of the straight. There's this crest, and it starts veering to the left, right? And so first I wanted to make sure I wanted to pass them as fast as I could because I don't want them to be around me when we get to the end where there's a bunch of tight turns. At the end of this straight, you have to decelerate. From like 170 to like 40 or 50 miles an hour, okay, in a very short space of time, very very dicey. So what happens? I pass them. I'm over the crest of the hill, and I'm off track. So I'm like, okay, this is bad news. I'm off track, but I haven't crashed yet. So very very gingerly, I try to coax the car back on the road, and somehow. I'm able to, without hitting anything, I'm able to get back on the road and I hit my brakes. I don't screw it up, right? So now I'm in second place, okay? Now, one other thing that happens in this game is that uh, sometimes when they play online, they like to uh, turn on this feature that says that if you kind of cut a corner, then you get a penalty and you're basically your, – your car goes like transparent for five seconds and you can't accelerate. You just have to coast, right? So I'm at the last corner, okay? And then this guy, the guy who's in first place somehow cut the corner. So he goes transparent and I pass him and it's just unbelievable, man. I went from last place to first place without any incidents at all. And all of this happened over the course of how how much time? I mean, all this action was probably about like a minute and a half. Man, you told this story before, but I thought it ended with you throwing a blue shell last time. Listen, Tim Winsky, not all games with vehicles have blue shells. Oh, yeah, sorry, just the ones I play. <laughs> well, that yeah. does sound super exciting. So, you know... I can't, I can't, what I can't convey is I was just like the emotional state I was in after the fact. See, from, it was, from now on, you just have to record with a video camera every I guess, race. I guess so. It was, that was, it was just incredible. It was like, that was, it was just like a one in a thousand races race. Okay. I, I wish I could be there with you in spirit. I wish you were watching. I really wish you saw it. Because I think that if you had, maybe you would also start to 
gain a little more appreciation. That's the thing that would have put me over the edge to appreciate. It, it may have been, yeah. Okay. It may have been maybe me become a diehard fan after that. Alright, well we will be right back Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we're back. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio, where where we will no longer be talking about miniatures. Thank goodness. At least for, for, today. for some. I'm good. I'm I'm safe for another week. You are. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, a reminder to everyone: we have a website. It's called ChatterboxGameShow.com. We also have a website. I'm That's sorry, a phone number. I just said the website. Yes, we have a website and a website and a phone number. And that phone number is four eight zero four game twenty one. Or if you Oh, Christ, I'm just going to say the numbers. 480-442-6321. There you go. And we're, it's not actually live. You leave a message. You know how it goes. Yeah, we played one on the air last week. Yep. I wonder what people thought of that. We'd like to know what you think of the messages we play. Yeah. And so you can leave us a message. It'll be very like avant-garde, like Fourth Wally. Like, yeah. leave, leave a message about uh, a, your a opinion message. about people leaving messages. Yeah. You can also email us, by the way, which is what someone did recently. Yes. We did. So our uh, our friend, um, listener from, I'm going to destroy his name, Havish. That's not where he's from. That's his name. We're not going to tell you where he's from because that's confidential. Uh, so Havish sends us a nice letter. And he says, I'm writing to you because I'd like to know more about camera control inversions in games. Allow me to explain. I purchased Zelda Twilight Princess for the GameCube on the day it was released. That was a while ago. He's been very um, occupied we don't, since writing to we us. We didn't just have to talk about new Nintendo stuff. We can talk about things that are, what, two years old now? Totally. One year old? And I was very disappointed that the game did not include a way to invert the camera control. My question is, is it hard to add that feature to the game? I would assume that giving the player complete button configuration control is probably a lot harder since that would require a lot more testing, but I just need to know if this control option is something that was underlooked or that's that's a new euphemism. Or is it just that big of a pain to program? And I'm so glad you're here with us, Tim, actually, oh, yeah? to, to talk about this. Because this is funny. Um, I don't know how aware of this you are, Alon, but like... I mean, I'm sure you've had that complaint many times in games. I'm sure your friends have too. That they don't allow inversion or <laughs> no, some control just, scheme is bad? Well, the specific, right, the specific of not allowing you to invert the control, but also just the more general issue of like... Being able uh, to configure controls however you want it. Yeah. 
And so this is really, really interesting to me because I have this impression that Nintendo has this reputation, and I definitely want to hear your perspective on this, Tim. Yeah. That, like, Nintendo's thing... Nintendo's not really, like, down with the, like, let you configure how you want kind of thing. They're very Apple-ish in that sense, where you get what they think you need or what they think you want. So this is less of an issue with, oh, it's too hard to uh, program it where it'll... You know, to, to remap an analog stick or something. That's actually extremely trivial. Yeah, I was, I was going to just break the suspense. It's super easy to code. Yeah, the problem is, like, with UI design, where Nintendo likes to keep all of their UI extremely slick. And I don't even know, like, where in a Zelda game they would fit this. Um, you, could, you could definitely... I mean, inversion is not too hard. But then Nintendo has like they'll talk to you in the game right so you always have like a little fairy or somebody i haven't even played twilight princess but there's something in the game that tells you like oh press b to do this press x to do this it's it's an imp in that game and it would be okay thank you for that it would be a little bit more strange to have a fully customized controller where you could make b do what x normally does and just switch that's something that most games don't do i mean again it wouldn't be terribly hard to code I mean, it'd be a little bit of a mess, but not well, that big of a deal. The Zelda, you know, UI overlay, where ever since uh, Wind Waker, where they kind of show you the buttons as they appear on the controller with the little icons over it for what item. Yeah, that's the part yeah, where they, it starts to break down. Yeah, where where you're referencing those so in other places, this, other this than is just the options screen. It's, it's a problem that Nintendo's um, aware of. The way, um, hey, this is a way that we could start talking about the Wii U. Um, <clears throat> Actually, ever since the 3DS, and I'm I'm not sure about this decision, but they think it's a great idea that to get rid of this problem where some people think it's intuitive for the Y-axis to work one way, where the other half of people think it's good the other way, um, they try to solve it with a gyroscope, where now, um, like with a second analog stick or something, you'll be able to use left and right to be able to look left and right, because that's intuitive to everybody. But to look up and down, you actually tilt the device. And they started doing that. They did that with the Ocarina of Time and Star Fox remakes, and that's how it works in Nintendo Land also. Nintendo Land definitely does that a lot. Yeah, and it's annoying because I want to be able to look up and down, and I realize, nope, it just doesn't control it at all. Right. Yeah, the right analog stick up and down does absolutely nothing, which is interesting. Yeah, so I I also find this funny because if you... I, I tend to feel like it's almost 50-50, like, who prefers what kind of direction when you go up and down. Yeah, a lot of it seems to come down to, like, what game did you play first and what way did that game do it? Because there's yeah, no ex- standard. Exactly. Um, and, and also, actually, it's it your expectation, in fact, does change depending on how the game is presented to you. So we kind of have a similar problem with uh, rotating a camera about a player when you're rotating it like horizontally, right? When you have like a three, like a like a third person game, right? The camera is external to the player and it's facing mm. it, and so now it's actually it becomes less clear, right? Like how you should map it, because in the one sense you're moving the camera, right? In the other sense you're moving relative to where you are. Right. Haven't right? games settled on um, use it to look? You know, so you push it to the right, and it's like your character is looking to the right. I, I think so, and I, I found it. I, I can't recall any really specific examples, but I do seem to remember that there's like some games that have that type of device, where I'm like, okay, 
what makes sense to me is like the the direct control, right? And then other games that like the last games I can think of that did that were on like PS One, where like you were hitting that L and R R two buttons. Yeah, like I'm thinking of like Maximo for some reason, um, and then like other games, right? Where like the complete opposite scheme was like what I thought would like made sense to me. Mm. Right? They, there's definitely not a standard though. It's a reference to what you said not, earlier. Not only is there not a standard, I don't think that there is a standard like in humans either. So I, I think agree. that this is the kind of thing where it's just like, just like Tim said, intuitive baggage, like yeah. you yeah, said, well, cognitive baggage. Oh, well, right, I, sorry. I'm an inversion player, right? <laughs> but you but could then call it intuitive baggage. With, with the X, I've definitely swapped X before, based, you know, against the default of whatever was programmed in. Yeah, a game. I actually forgot that sometimes that can feel backwards. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the other funny thing is that you know I've been playing a lot of 3DS lately for some reason, and. Um, Right, the the select and cancel buttons on the 3DS, it's Nintendo's standard, is exactly flipped from say like Sony's standard. Yeah, it's for really what is like yes and what is cancel. It's really oh, frustrating, yeah. especially because I'm so used to Microsoft, which uses A, B, X, and Y, yeah. Yeah. but flipped compared to Nintendo. So now it's like press the Y button, and I I just know where Y is, but it's not where it is on the Nintendo. Yeah, but it's funny because you you habituate to it, right? At first you're like, this makes no sense. This feels really backwards, and then you play it like that for like a few weeks, and then you're like totally habituated, and then you go back to a PS3 or whatever, and then all of a sudden you find that your your fingers are reaching for the wrong button. Now, uh, the problem with controller standardization or the lack thereof is that like legal issues, where like like a co- can a company really like own the right to like have buttons in a certain configuration because the, the fact i don't think so because the dreamcast and the xbox is basically the same the dreamcast was the first one that was extremely similar to nintendo standard at the time but flipped yeah well i mean they've i'm sure they flipped it just because the way nintendo does it is stupid <laughs> right i mean why why would you put yeah, b before a right to left that's true actually I'm, yeah why right. would you put a before b Wow, because that's what English is. But X, like Y before X, I understand the B A had already been made a standard. Is it? I mean, is it because like Japanese read right to left or something? Uh, that actually could be it. Yeah. So that that's probably where it came from. And they're all about. Wait, I don't when know. do they read right to left? We're not well, talking about. Um, they're like top to bottom and error. right to left. Right. Like the books and magazines and everything. You flip. Oh wait, they the go in the. Around. They go horizontally the other way too. Um, yeah, I don't think that's true. Sure? I don't. Think they don't. They traditionally go up and down. Yeah, it goes up and down, and then I and think when, it goes and up, it down, is horizontal. Right? I think it is left to right. I think. But I think you have to go to Arab land if you want to read right to left. Okay. Like if something's in Romanji, it's not going to be like spelled backwards. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Read okay. This? That would be well, funny though. I know that that uh, Hebrew does it. They do it because they used to use stones and chisels and whatever. Yeah. And so right to left made more sense when you're hammering. With yeah, yeah. Right. I'm, where, where I'm an Hebrews expert because I was in Japan for a week Next two to months Arab ago. Land. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I can't figure out why they would do that. I'd, I'd really, um, if you're offended, you should uh, really call us. I'm offended really about what? About me saying. Because you said Arab word. land? Yeah. Oh, geez. I actually, I don't know if Arabic is left to right or right to left. It, it is. Arabic, I, know I Hebrew think, is, is right to left. I think it is. Okay. Arabic is just fucking crazy. That's what it is. Right? It's just a squiggly lines. So, anyway, I don't ha- know how anybody reads that stuff. I'd like Hebrew. Yeah. That, well, that's, I mean. Straight lines only. Well, that's, well. yeah. 
Yeah, but it's also like it's defined characters. Okay, but Arabic we is, we is, but we digress. Okay, so we're talking about the control schemes. I don't think it's anything legal. I mean, there are legal issues surrounding controllers in general. Well, but don't they like have a patent on that? Because it's like you they know, have a patent like, on the D pad. Oh, and that's why the D pad sucks on every system. That's yeah. not Nintendo. I think I think yeah. the patents of those things. I'm under the impression that it has more in regards to do with the like physical shape and design of the buttons relative positions yeah. so La- labeling them, like, them i don't think so many of them are so like arbitrary like oh on the turbo graphics why is it a roman numeral one and two is that yeah that makes but, sense but i also think that they they try to because like legal i mean legal stuff isn't always like totally black and white i also by get the way the i think it goes one and two one is on the right and two is on the left yeah yeah that? yeah yeah but I, I get the impression that in general these companies just try to do something the things they do as differently as they possibly can stomach just so there's no chance that somebody will accuse somebody else of something funny. Yeah, I don't know. Labeling buttons one and two in the right order or A and B in the right order, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't get a lawsuit on your hands. But what's funny is Nintendo now put one and two in correct order on the Wii remotes. Right. That's true. Am I right about that? Well, that's because it's going top to bottom. See, if you look at the Super Nintendo, A is higher than B. And X is higher than Y. (laughs) Maybe maybe they're just thinking vertically. Oh, man. I'm going to blow up. We'll be right back. Hey, it's me, Mario. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. It's a number one. All right, we're back, and I'm going to remind everyone that uh, this is sponsored by the University of Advancing Technology, whose website is uat.edu, and where you guys recently did a game jam. That's true. Well, um, I didn't actually do the game jam. I just came in at the end and criticized. Well, you were integral it. to the process, though. Indeed. Right. I mean, if you weren't, if you weren't going to go, then nobody else would have even been there. If I wasn't going to go, then there may not have been quite nearly the amount of judgmentalness that there was there that's you know 100 percent certain and this was the first time that i stayed up for 36 hours straight that's a dumb move it was, it <laughs> hey was i came in first so you tell me and that's what it's all about my friend <laughs> everyone's gotta you gotta go once everyone's gotta right. go once. i've probably done that before it's i can't remember when are really great and i like, did actually start hallucinating right yeah. before i went to bed oh yeah and like the the whole like not being able to sleep for 20 minutes i thought your i had this confused uh, that's pretty awesome i thought i had this long string of red yarn stuck on me and like i couldn't shake it off i'm like of, yeah, of what red yarn oh all right and when I like tried to shake it off, like the air around it kind of distorted, like there was a lot of dust in the air. So yeah, that was that's. I'm trying to figure out that how was this no have, dream, Tim yeah. Minsky. Well, I'm trying to figure out how this could have really happened. No, that, that's what I saw. Like that was a hallucination. Yeah, I'm but, just I'm thinking maybe it wasn't a hallucination, and your house is just crazy. Oh, that's possible. But then when I woke up, everything was better. Okay, good. Well, let's talk about the Wii U. Okay. <laughs> so you wanted me to tell the story of how I picked it up. Well, I just figured, you know, since we've been promising for two weeks that uh, something Did you get a midnight happen. release yeah. launch? Well, let me... No. No, I did not. I was were originally... You, were you screwed or were you... I've got my Wii U. 
Well, so you didn't get a GameStop. No. So I, yeah. I've already talked about how like I tried to find a place to reserve it, and I couldn't find anywhere to reserve it. And I was mad at the listeners because they didn't tell me that Walmart was reserving it. And then I figured out they were reserving it the day after they stopped reserving. So basically, I drove around everywhere. I found that Target was reserving, except they were all sold out, except one nearby had them and didn't know that they had them. So they got, the store I was at called them and told them, hey, you've got a bunch of these. Save them for this guy. So I went over there. I got the reserve. All right. Then yesterday happens. The night before, Saturday night, I go over there just to confirm everything's good. Let the guy know I'm going to be there in the morning. Going to pick up my Wii U. He's there. He's going to be there in the morning as well. We're good. I get I'm there in the, the morning. Side of the uh, the corner next to the dumpster. No, <laughs> no, in the store. In the store. He actually works for the store. So they okay. open at eight a.m. and I decide I'm going to get there at like seven o'clock. But of course, I'm like, eh, seven thirty is fine. It's reserved. I seem pretty confident about it. Or at least that's how it seems to me. So. We end up getting there at 7.30. Michaela comes with me. And we're like, well, you know, if they have extras... Because, oh, we found out on Saturday night that they they did five pre-orders, but then they were going to have extras as well. And so I was like, if they have extras and nobody's clamoring for them, sure, buy one and sell it, right? Make some money. Which I had last week told you I was not planning on doing, right? right? But, you know... Because you're such a fine, upstanding, Right, and I wasn't going to. Citizen. But then if they're going to have extras and she, like, wants to run some marathon or something, it'll it'll... Consideration can only go so far. Exactly. Exactly. I, I broke down. So she came with me. We get there only half an hour before the place opens. There's a father and a son waiting. That's it. For like they're getting this this future Christmas gift for themselves. And that's it. So we're second in line with only a half an hour to go. And this thing is supposed to be super hard to get. Like nobody's taking reservations on the deluxe unit, whatever. We know they've got some extras because we talked to them the night before. Like we're good. And then one other woman before the store opens gets there with us with like her little kid and she's getting it for her 16-year-old. Yeah. And that's it. So we go down there. Everyone gets one. We get two because of my pre-order. Oh, the pre-order, by the way. My The thing I bought was the reservation card. And that's basically an item. Like I bought the card for $5 even though it's not a product. Right. And then that entitles me to a $5 gift card, which can't be used on the purchase of the system. So then I'm en- I end up with a $5 gift card and the fact that I paid $5 more for the system. Yeah, Walmart Just, did the same thing. Wow, this is commonplace now? That's how they get you to come back, I guess. Walmart didn't do the same thing. Uh, they made you put at least uh, $5 down for like the layaway. The layaway. Wait, but no, that, that went, that went towards the purchase no, of the system. No, it, it didn't. I got a gift card. Oh, no. They told me it would be refunded. If you didn't use it, but, or no, if you did, if you actually went through and bought the system rather than saying, I'm not going to pick it up, then it it does get refunded to you. Huh? No, they gave me a gift card. They gave you a gift card. Yep. But for just five bucks? Yep. How much did you put down for it originally? Because I was going to pay for the whole thing when they thought they had some for it. Oh, me. um, they told me something about how it would like make it complicated if I didn't buy it. Like pay for the whole thing except for when I was picking it up. No, they, they said. <laughs> the whole, it's too complicated. No, yeah. They no, said the you have to. You that. Most people were paying the whole thing minus a dollar because okay. then it wouldn't be layaway, huh. right? So you have to pay oh. for at least a little bit less okay, than the whole yeah, thing. I didn't know about that trick. But I if didn't... they put that on a gift card for me, I would have just flipped out on them. Yeah. When I went to the place, they, uh, the electronics department was confused and they had to ask around a bit before they like realized that yeah. it was something that they Walmart does not do. have their stuff together. Well, so my, my store is a little bit similar to you. I actually went for like the midnight. Like, so I, I went at like 1130. Like, because this is a 24-hour Walmart. And I go back there, and, like, the electronics department is just totally empty. There's just, like, this one dude, like, restocking the 360 games. And I'm like, hey, so about that Wii U midnight release thing, like, I've got my uh, layaway 
receipt here. He's like, oh, yeah, that's that's fine, whatever. Just I can't sell it to you until 12.01. So I came back, and he was, like, still doing some menial task. And I'm like, so it's 12.01? And he's like, oh, okay, I'll be over there in a little bit. And, like, he just went by and, like, gave it to me. And, like, there was nobody else there. And it was just... So it's it's weird because, like, other than you, I don't know anybody else who got a Wii U already. I have friends in other places. Like, my friend from St. Louis called me. He's like, hey, are you waiting in line? He was waiting in line three hours oh, in advance at a Walmart. Okay. So maybe it's a Phoenix thing. <laughs> I don't know. Dude, I don't understand. But Everybody then, here is too busy, strung out on meth, <laughs> wait in so line for any purpose. Another friend of mine, he had it pre-ordered at Best Buy. He went, you know... He got there, I don't know, some amount of time before it opened. There weren't a lot of people there. There were only a, f- a few people waiting, and they had some extras. So as soon as the doors open, the people who opened the doors working at the store, they pretended like pre-orders didn't exist. And they're like, all right, go get them, guys. And like the few people that were there ran to go get them. And so he's just like, uh, all right, yeah, I'll just buy one. And then he went and bought a second one with his pre-order. So he had two. Nice. But then like yesterday, that's this is, um, you know, I went over to hang out at his place yesterday to make sure we had a few people together playing the game. And his one of his friends came over, hadn't gotten one, hadn't really bothered, so he just bought the second one off of my buddy. And then we, like, I put mine on Craigslist. Nobody tried to buy it because so many are for sale right now that we, I just sold it to my friend tonight who couldn't get anything but the white one, so he'll just return his white one and take the, the deluxe. Huh. See, Very interesting. The word, I didn't make any money on it. The word is that um, Nintendo sold twice as many Wii U pre-orders as regular Wii. I mean, they certainly pre-sold more, but then... The the word on the street is that eBay has something like 4,000 systems for sale <laughs> right now. Oh, uh, wow. I wonder if that's like a big part of it. They were all purchased to be resold, oh. and nobody's buying them to play, which is crazy because I was so excited about this system. Well, yeah. So, all right. So then now let's talk about the game itself or the system itself. Um, it seems totally rushed. There's some weird stuff. It's a really? little, a little... For the most part, it's not buggy, but it's filled with load times. When was the last time you got a new Nintendo product that was this big and said to yourself, this looks rushed. It's never happened to me before. I'm shocked. I'm shocked that you're even The Wii felt perfect. This. See, the only reason that this maybe felt rushed is because they've got the whole, like, day one patch. But Not just a day one patch. I mean, it's it's a serious business patch. And I'm reading the stories from, from Joystick. They didn't get access to the patch until the Saturday that it was released. Like, mm. it was released Saturday at midnight. They got it themselves Saturday night, so they couldn't even talk about it. It was supposed to be out several days prior. And then when you get it, they were... The reviewers had it, you know, access to this before anybody else, because nobody else had their system, basically. I mean, minus maybe a few people who might have had it. And it took them an hour to download and run this update. And I, so I was prepared for the update to take a long well, time. Well, something's definitely not being yeah. rushed. I must have run mine... I must have run mine before everybody got theirs at like Best Buy and everywhere else that opened later than Target because mine only took 45 minutes. But my friend yesterday, his took something like an hour and a half or, or an hour 45 minutes or something. And mine took only 45 minutes. Only, huh. right? And what's crazy is so there's the, it downloads. And, and now people are complaining, just by the way, real quick, that uh, your system's bricked if you lose your power or turn it off in the middle of that update. Which yeah, is or if your power what, goes out over the course of the hour that it's downloading. Yeah, which is actually what everyone would expect would happen, so that really sucks. Oh, but anyway. Honestly, they they could perfectly well build in a system that protects against that. I don't know why. They, they could. Don't. They could do that. It just takes some extra hardware, I suppose. Somehow. Anyway, but once you get it all done, then you realize, because the patch opens up basically everything the system can do. You can't do anything online. You can't go to the Miiverse. You can't 
use internet. You can't use the eShop. None of that happens until you run this ridiculously long update, okay. which by, kind of makes sense. If you don't have internet, you won't use the internet features. Right? So I'm sure that's how they decided the cutoff. Let's give it some more time to work on the internet stuff. Maybe. So <clears throat> you, um, you download this update, then you can go online, but you have access to all these new things, right? So you want to try them all out, see what's going on. Every single one takes something like 15 to 20 seconds to load. And that, by the way, includes the Wii menu. So if you load something, anything, let's say Miiverse, and you want to close software and go back to the Wii menu, it takes about 20 seconds to load the menu for the system. And I, I can only assume it has to do with the gamepad and like transferring some sort of local program to the gamepad. But I was under the impression that essentially nothing runs on the pad. Yeah, I thought the pad just had what it needed in order to like stream the video and audio data. I mean, that's what I've been reading, but why else would there be such a horrendously long load time for just the menu of a system? Mm. I, have, I have no idea. Nobody knows. But well. everything you do takes a long time. And then it's silly stuff. Like you go to the, Wii, the, excuse me, the Mii Maker, and you can't edit your Mii in the Mii Maker. Just right? for making Mii's, not editing Mii. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Cause, so like the, the Mii that's attached to the Mii editor that you have... So you can edit Mii's, but if it's the Mii that you use for the system, like oh, okay. the one you actually use, set as your favorite, the one that you use like with your network ID, yeah. it's like, oh, like you go into Mii Maker, you find the Mii, it has an edit button, you click that edit button, and it just comes up with a warning, oh, you can't edit this Mii here, you have to do this from user settings. Because it's, it's your equipped Mii, right? <laughs> not the one, you that you're, equipped, not so the one that's equipped, but the one that there. is like connected to the network ID or something. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what it is. Okay, well, but, I'm already confused. But I had to, and then I was like, where's user settings? It's not in settings. Oh, no. You go to the, the Wii menu, which, by the way, took me 20 seconds to load, and then I click on the picture of me. It doesn't say user settings or me. I just pick on, click on the picture, and then there's a user settings option then I can go in there. Then I can go, and it loads the the Me Maker software like the same stuff, and then it lets me or it lets me edit it after I select the editing stuff. So it's it's a little bit poorly designed. It also there was a bug when I was setting up the remote control thing as well, um, where it did, couldn't keep track of how many like when you if you want to set up a Sony remote, there's literally twenty different twenty eight different remotes you can try or signals, and like one screen said that I was on the twelfth one, and another screen I said I was on the fifteenth one. Not a big deal. Little bug. We'll be right back. Where else are you going to find a Master of Science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu.
we're back. Once again, it's Chatterbox Video Game Radio with special guest Tim Winsky. Oh, yeah. Who, you you said, won the game jam oh. at UAT. Yeah. UAT.edu, <laughs> by the way. Can you can you download the games from the Game Jam from their website? Um, they do promote them because they want to be the coolest school with the coolest 48-hour Game Jams. So if, if our listeners went to UAT.edu, uh, then they could actually get the game that you made? I do not know that. Um, okay. <laughs> I mean, did you did you ever submit your code to someone? To, yeah, to yeah, put yeah. Somebody has a compiled version. Uh, I did work on the game for a couple of uh, days afterwards to make it. Uh, less broken. Um, it is. It is funny how right after the game jam's done, you're um, you're about twenty percent as, uh, you know, as motivated, produ- productive. Yeah, I was wow. actually pretty motivated. Yeah, I just couldn't get things done as quickly. But um, yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, my goal for this game jam was to make a a solid prototype, a solid framework for a game that I actually want to turn into an iPhone and iPad game. I'm okay. gonna finish at full resolution, I assume. Well, iPhone 5 compatibility. <laughs> uh, we'll see. That game actually might work all right. Okay. Uh, the other one that I'm currently working on would... During break, I was giving him a hard time that the game he's working on now, he doesn't feel like making iPhone compatible, iPhone 5 compatible, <laughs> which is funny to me. Anyway, uh, I want to talk more about the Wii U. So, well, so you're I was complaining about, about menus and stuff, which yeah, is yeah. fine. It's not, well, I'm not, just whining. N- let me, let whining. me play the role briefly as Nintendo fanboy and just, just to give it an optimistic spin, just talk about some of the things that I was impressed with. So um, the, the gamepad itself I'm actually, uh, is actually a little bit cooler than I expected it to be. It just feels really nice to hold. Um, like, like a friend that was hanging out with me just, just said that it was the coolest controller made for any device okay wait i got a really important question sure you guys okay because there's something i don't understand that you guys will clear up for me all right the the controller mm-hmm. the one with the screen yeah there's just one of those yes right in play at all times that's right so uh, well not necessarily well but let's go with that sure okay for, for instance new super mario brothers wii u yeah you can use the gamepad but if you want to actually play the game like one of the four main characters, you actually can't even use the pad. Okay, let me let me frame it like this. So, all the Nintendo systems recently, right, they've had the up to four players kind of thing. And uh-huh. It's got the one, two, three, four lights on all this, uh-huh. all this stuff, right? And I noticed that it had those on the, on the Wii U for the regular controllers, but I didn't see any kind of series of lights on the main controller. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the gamepad is like integral. It's like always on. Yeah, and it it'll say like use the gamepad or this player is going to use the, the gamepad the and game these players use the controllers. The only way that you can navigate certain menus, uh, it's like the only way that you can navigate anything on the eShop. I'm not sure if you can do anything in the web browser with a Wiimote. I didn't try. Okay, so oh, no, all the all can. the it's, extra it's controllers, all, it's where you type in the URLs and stuff. Okay, all those extra controllers, those are those are for other sets. But there's there's no problem. Like it's not like. The, the gamepad's going to be controller three out of five. It's always the gamepad plus the Wii remotes. Right. Which are so one, like two, three, and four. So like in Nintendo Land, it's like, oh, how many players do you want to pick? And it's it's always like, uh, those games is always like one player. Oh, so it's not even this. included in that list of one, two, three, four. Right. So it's every, every game one. is like up to five players now. Oh, okay. Wow. Now it all makes sense. I mean, if the game is multiplayer, yeah, it could be up yeah, to yeah, five. Yeah. Okay, continue, but, please. But that one one player is probably going to be special. It doesn't have to be. I mean, they could code around it because... He doesn't have to be special. He can be a normal person. He <laughs> yeah. still play. But, but the way it's treated, at least within Nintendo Land and New Super Mario Brothers and stuff, it's all 
you know, the gamepad is a different type of gameplay than the other people. And that's fine. It, whatever. Well, have you ever played Pac-Man Versus on GameCube? Maybe once. So that game that's where, the same like, idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah, where one person uses the Game Boy Advance and is Pac-Man and sees the entire board. Isn't it four players who use the Game Boy Advance? No, no, no. The other three people use a GameCube controller and look at the TV, and they have a very limited field of view. Oh, yeah. And they're trying to catch Pac-Man. So okay. it's you're trying to be Pac-Man. You're trying to be the guy with the um, wide vision. And, By the way, my, my friend yesterday was suggesting... They really need to release that. I know. As a Wii like, U port. I was thinking about it. Like all the uh, competitive multiplayer games on Nintendo Land are basically variations on that formula. I mean, after all, Miyamoto designed Pac-Man Versus, and they also use a very similar formula in the Versus mode of uh, Phantom Hourglass, the DS Zelda game. That have, have you played that Versus? It's, no. it's actually pretty brilliant. Um, so they've they've been working with that formula for a while. The the tragic thing is that I think. Pac-Man Versus is still a little bit more fun than the, uh, what is it, Animal Crossing? Luigi's yeah, it's a little Mansion bit more straightforward. And the Mario the, one. It, it's interesting that there are basically three games that are eh, mostly identical in Nintendo Land, right? The, the Mario, Luigi, and yeah, Animal ex- Crossing. Extremely, yeah, similar. Uh, and they're the games. only games that are, like, everybody plays at once in Nintendo Land. Am I wrong about that? Well, no, Zelda, you can play a bunch yeah, of people Yeah, yeah, there's the three cooperative ones, Zelda, Pikmin, and uh, oh, Metroid. Yeah. Pikmin as well. Metro is my personal favorite. Okay. So there's three that are not like the chasing ones. Then there's the three that are a bunch of people chasing one person or one person chasing those people. Uh, And then there's six other games. Yeah. That are basically all just one-on-one or single player. Uh, They're all single player and they all just like, yeah, use the gamepad in different ways. Uh, I I like using the gamepad though because unlike the 3DS where there'll be some games where, oh yeah, you're supposed to use like this analog stick and the touchscreen, like maybe the stylus. Um, the gamepad is light enough and it's wide enough where like you can actually like rest it on your lap and like comfortably use the analog stick and maybe one trigger button and still comfortably draw onto the screen without like getting those crazy yeah. cramps that you get from like Kid Icarus on the 3DS. I'm I'm generally very impressed with the technology. And speaking of the Kid Icarus thing, this is one of the reasons I brought up brought up to you before the show started. Most people don't notice this, but on the back of the Wii U gamepad. Under the the ridge that's, you know, uh, on the, if you held one, you know what I'm talking about. There's a big thick ridge on the back of it where like your fingers might rest. Um, on the underside of that is a metal threaded mount, just like a camera mount. Um, you wouldn't be able to get to it with a, a tripod mount or something just because the back of the gamepad is right there. But it's clear that they plan on mounting it onto something. And I don't think anybody has talked about that. But yeah. it's it's impressive to me that they built that in. Um, also, speaking of the hardware, the gamepad, I need to take a second to point out, do you remember a year and a half ago when they announced the Wii U and no one was talking about the display of the gamepad in terms of its actual tech and the resolution? And then I, through Golgotron.com, our little sister website that isn't really doing anything anymore, um, I actually wrote an article about how we measured the pixels and uh, I mean, we basically counted them and, and expressed to the world what the what the resolution was. It's funny. A were, year and a half ago, and people correct? were calling us voodoo witch doctor people. They were saying it was just, you know, backyard science and wasn't real and didn't mean anything. 100% correct. I said it was going to be 854 by 480, and guess what it is? 854 before at least that's according to reading uh joystick so unless they're just reading my article and and assuming that that is (laughs) that is actually the real thing um 
I ha- I have not taken to counting it again now that I actually have the gamepad. I heard it's pretty good. I heard it's like around like 150 DPI actually. Uh, that I don't know. So well, I mean, I haven't done the math. Well, no, I mean, I'm not asking you to do the math, but does it? I mean, does it look sharp? It looks super yeah. crisp. It super does look crisp. good. Yeah. But um, but you know, now that I'm used to the Retina iPhone and the yeah, Retina yeah, iPad, Retina display, it, I'm on. No. I mean, it, it holds a candle when, to those. Oh no, not at all. Oh. Not even close. But but that's fine. It like it's perfectly usable. I in no way want to complain about that screen because it's beautiful. Um, what's lame about it is that I I refuse to let anybody basically touch it without putting a screen protector on it. And the only screen protector I could find, which I think is like a, it's an official licensed Nintendo one, still is pretty crappy. And so like I've got air bubbles in it, and I am not cool with air bubbles. Uh, so it's it's a junky screen protector. I need to like go to Ghost Armor or something, have them put on one for real. Anyway, it looks great. It is nowhere near a Retina screen on an Apple product, but it is fantastic. Uh, what I don't like it though is that the TV is, at least with Nintendo Land and probably every Nintendo ga- Nintendo game, is rendered in what appears to be the same resolution. It's still it's outputting 1080 to my 1080 TV, right? That's the signal the TV's getting. Yeah. But you can definitely see jagged lines everywhere, and it looks exactly the same as the screen. In, in every game? I only have played three games. I played Nintendo Land, Mario, and then Zombie U. Does, like, do, like, the dashboard menus also look that way? Or is it just... Everything looks... Home? Yeah, it all I, looks the same. I remember hearing... Well, like, there was some comparison video that I saw that put, like, new Mario for the Wii next to this new one for the Wii U and like the Wii U one clearly looked crisper. Um, yeah, it's all anecdotal. I'm not, yeah. I'm not going in there and measuring anything. I haven't checked, you know, the files to see. Yeah, that's the first I've heard. Of <laughs> I that, have no I idea thought that people would complain about that. Cause generally people are saying, Oh, finally Nintendo's resolution is able to compete with the other. Well, they're also just consoles. looking at the fact that their TV is rendering in 1080. So, mm-hmm. but if you, if you look at, I mean, like, I've been looking at Nintendo Land, nothing else, basically. You can look at the screen of the TV, look at the screen of the gamepad, and, like, where the jagged lines are and stuff when when things aren't perfectly flat. Um, Which I don't mean to complain about a bunch, but, like, you've got a 1080 screen there. It would be nice if it was 1080. And you look at it, it's definitely not 1080. Definitely. Because I I didn't notice I was too busy playing games. Yeah, right? (laughs) Um, Anyway, I wonder if it's going to be, like, Sony, where... Well, I mean, I always complain about Sony talking about how they're real HD or full HD. Every game is in HD, and then, like, the vast majority are 720. Right. Um, Technically, that is still HD. Yeah, but then even Microsoft does it, too. Like, they render in a lower res and then upscale, so whatever. I was hoping this generation would just be all 1080. 1080 is very nice, I do have to say. But I guess Nintendo's always There's one thing that I got to say about this, me not having played it. Um, I can think of a really, really cool application... Um, because I did see there was just one, I don't know if it was just a video or if it was, actual, but some kind of like third person game where you could actually saw like this guy, I think it was like maybe Link with arrows or something. And you could see like a third person view on the TV, but then on, on the, on the pad screen, right? You saw like a direct first person view of like where you were aiming the bow and arrow. Yeah. Actually, that, I don't even think it was first person. That's a Nintendo. But it was, it was direct, right? I was just thinking to myself, like there's, there's a few games where I actually would really like to see two views of myself at the same time. Yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting applications, and uh, I would like to see... But here's the funny thing, with. is that nothing about technology prevented anybody from making a game where you could see two views of yourself at once. We could have done it, we just didn't do it. And I'm just wondering, is this technology going to 
help us do it? Well, is that h- something we want? How would that be different than the way that games like toggle between third and first person view with a press of a button? Yeah. No, at the same time. Oh. Right? So that you, you don't have to toggle, that you can just randomly look at whichever one is better for you at any point in time. I see. Um, I've truly, I promise you guys this, I've really given up on Dark Souls for good now. <laughs> but, and I won't talk about why, but when I was playing that game, right, there's a lot of, well, the way that I played anyway, there's a lot of, like, bow and arrow usage, right? Yeah. And it's so clunky. I really, like, it would have been beautiful in that game if oh, I could, yeah. right, like, see my regular first person, third person view, and then also, like, see on another screen, like, where I'm aiming at the same time. Yeah. Uh, one of the sticky points about that, and one of the criticisms that the Wii U's getting already is that you have to kind of learn what screen to look at to play it properly. Yeah, and that's I, I was also concerned about that, right? Because here's the interesting thing about this new technology, is that now that we have two screens, and it's it's different from the 3DS two screens, right? Your attention's going to be split, and I, I mean, just the developers now, designers, they need to manage... Yeah, you just can't look. You can't be expected to pay attention to what's yeah, happening on both screens. It's yeah. most... It's not... Usually it's not. F-Zero... In Nintendo Land is is the one exception I can think of. I thought that one was a little clever. Um, uh, quite honestly, it's the one I have played the least of. So okay. I just but I, I just cleared the. It's the one where one morning. player is playing, and at some point they're looking at the main screen. Then it's like look down at the controller. Like it has a message that the, says they, look at the gamepad, and then it says look at the TV, well, they, and that's they, just silly. They teach you that when you go through a tunnel, you want to look at the TV so that you can see where the boost arrow is. Okay. Um. So it's like. They don't say look at the TV. They say like tunnel approaching. Nope. It says look at the TV. No. It says Absolutely. Absolutely does. I mean, I, I just played, played it two it. hours ago. <laughs> Tim got the uh, the smart uh, no help Japanese version and um, <laughs> Alon got the uh, dumb American version. It definitely apparently. says look at the gamepad and I'm almost certain Maybe you didn't the gamepad said the, look at the TV. Uh, all the patches. Are you sure it didn't say look at the gamepad, comma, American? <laughs> no. Anyway... Um, the other ones is just if you're the gamepad person, you're looking at the gamepad, and then the other people who are playing with the TV with the the Wii remotes are looking at the TV. Now, yeah. I mean, it all depends on the developers and how they develop it. And I think that it was silly for them to to have to put the message on look at the gamepad or TV. They should have had some other signaling technique, like what you're suggesting, which is not how it actually works. Either either that or right, like the game from the beginning is just structured in a way so that like. You get to see what's on both screens in a place where, like, you don't have to, like, it's not critical where you're looking. And you just understand, like, oh, X, Y, and Z info is going to be down here. And ABC is going to be up there. And, right. and like, you just establish that grammar so you don't have to be all explicit about, like, telling the player where to look, right? Yeah, because, like, just like, yeah, it's stupid, just like you said, because if you're doing that, then why do you even have two screens? Okay, I think what it is is that when you're getting near a tunnel... It says tunnel approaching, but then when you cross a finish line on the gamepad, it'll say "look at the TV" because it's on the TV where it shows you your times. But then I continued to play with the game on the television. For what it's worth, by the way, there are certain parts that they don't tell you about certain obstacles that are actually easier to manage when you're looking at the TV. Yeah. Well, that's pro tip. That's all in good. <laughs> all right. Um, you know, the whole two screen thing isn't. It's not new anymore. Like the DS and the 3DS do that, but I gotta they, say they do. But this, I still think that this application is still new because of the different context. 
it's yeah. going to be a different well, dynamic. What this allows you to do is actually put the screen up to the television. And so right. like, there's some stuff in Zombie U where you hold it up to the TV. And so it's like you're looking at the world through this pad. Like Your character in Zombie U actually has a gamepad-like device. Okay. And then it'll zoom out and show it in third person. And you see the character holding up this pad to the world. And it's kind of like an x-ray machi- machine, basically. Um, That's cute. And so you've got screen over screen. That's an application you can't use with the DS or the 3DS. But um, for the rest of the game you're basically using it as an inventory screen. And so you can quickly press what you want for like the gun or the bat or whatever. And then like you'll loot bodies and it'll show, okay, here's your inventory. And then here's the inventory of what's on this body. Take this ammo and like slide it with your finger into your inventory. And it's, uh, I don't want to say too much good about zombie U cause it's basically a boring ass game, but I've got to say that, uh, someone for someone who doesn't really play a lot of games on the DS or three DS. And by that, I mean, almost never, um, I liked having this touch-based, always-on second input area. Um, that was certainly had a lot of utility, is what I'm saying. It was nice to not just have to flip to a different screen and take away from the game. Plus, in a, in a zombie game where it's supposed to be high tension, like there's no pausing to go to the inventory. It's just you're dealing with inventory now or you're dealing with, on the t- with what's on the TV. And if there's a zombie coming at you, you probably don't want to go mess with your inventory right now. Uh, and that's something I can pr- appreciate better than the idea of swapping out screens. So anyway, I could go on and on about the actual like Nintendo Land Wii U games and all that stuff. But uh, just let it be known. We got it. It's pretty cool. As I was expecting, my, my hype chart went way, way, way up up until Saturday and then took a giant dive bomb into the ground as soon as I had it in the house, hmm. uh, where now it's like, cool, whatever, I don't need to play that thing. Um, but I'm definitely talking about it a lot, like its potential and whatever. I had this big Facebook conversation today. So someone was trying to defend the Kinect, and I was like, listen, the Kinect is a piece of junk. It doesn't even work. The Nintendo has a lot of potential, but I'm still going to use my Microsoft console more than Nintendo because no one's going to make anything good for this, just like with the Wii, for yeah, a number of reasons. I hope somehow uh, developers are able to make... Uh, you know, cool games using this tech this time. Uh, I'm I'm happy about Nintendo's partnership with Unity since Unity is what I use to make games. Yeah. And uh, pl- I have to say, playing the Wii U for two days, I do I am starting to get cool applications on how I would use it. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear. But uh, I think the argument that I was making in my Facebook thread um, that I was most proud of is the fact that you know, in order for us to be happy we need third parties to be making games too because Nintendo's only ever going to make games for kids. Yeah. You know, and, I, and a Zelda or something, right. right? Which is kind of kids, kind of adults. I, I was curious to know more about like the Wii U specific features in the uh, third party games. Like they, they sound Batman like they're and Assassin's that are Creed just jerry but I can't tell if it actually like makes the game more streamlined. If it makes the UI, UI. Listen, I'm sure they're cool, but the game wasn't built from the ground up to be using right. it. And so I discount it. But, but... I mean, it is kind of an interesting point if you can take any game and add like, oh, now you can see. I would argue that on the DS, always being able to see your map on the bottom screen usually makes a game better. Sure. But still, what makes me want to play the game more on, you know, one system versus another is the fact that I'm going to be connected with all these people. And there's Nintendo has made such a poor effort in um, its online component and yeah. like friends boards and connecting with friends. It's such a pain in the butt. They're never going to get the hardcore audience, especially because hardcore is so like first person shooter, halo style stuff yeah. until they get their, their friend making and all that together like Xbox does, then they're never going to succeed with the, the hardcore American audience, which right. means they're never going to succeed with third parties because third parties have to play cross platform to maximize profits. Right. So, you know, your Ubisoft, 
basically the only company who's going to care, but they're never going to put a lot of funding behind it. So no big third parties are just going to say, we're going to make an awesome Wii U game mm-hmm. because it has to be cross-platform and nobody's going to make it popular enough to even make have a big enough consumer base for an adult-ish game right. because they just, they're doing other things wrong that take away from the desirability of, of it. So I think it's super desirable. I think there's a ton of potential, but that's all it is. It's like the PlayStation Move has a ton of potential that nobody's using. Um, and so that's well, why it's just going to you fail. You could say that video games have a lot of potential that nobody's using. Well, but I mean, I'm, I'm excited about the possibilities in this hardware. And it's a shame that, you know, I'm only ever going to buy games actually published by Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And that means I'll have a library of maybe five games down the road in three years. Well, maybe it'll be different. Hope, I mean, hopefully and Rayman. It probably won't. But. I just, I'm crossing my fingers. Anything else we want to talk about before the end of the show? Uh, how about the end of the show? Uh-huh. End of the show. It's oh, here. Wow, it's the end of the show. Tim. Oh. Your game comes out, but you're not ready to talk about it yet? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm shooting for a January release, and I'm just doing a bunch of menu stuff and a couple bug fixes and some promo stuff. All right. Well, we'll have you you back on the show uh, anytime, but also closer to release. All right. Cool. Yeah, today was just nice happenstance hanging out with Ara. All right. We'll be back next week, everyone. Good night, guys. Good night. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.